contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. And welcome to the Hammer and Grind podcast, the podcast built for contractors to help maximize profits and get you off the tools before burnout or bankruptcy happens. I'm your host, Brad Hebner, and I'm here to help you on your journey to self-mastery. Make sure you check us out on our social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Just search for Hammer and Grind Podcast, and you'll be able to find me there. Consider joining my free Facebook group called the Contractor Profit Blueprint. I created this free group to give you as much information as possible to help you in your business. I go live in there once a week, tons of content to help you in your business. Now, if you want to accelerate the success, consider joining my paid coaching group called The Profit Club. In there is a great community of contractors all willing to share information and help each other succeed, as well as hundreds of hours of training, coaching calls, everything you need to accelerate your business. If you want to learn more about that, you can find out more information on hammerandgrind.com forward slash the profit club, or just send me a message and I'll be happy to share that with you. Now, let's get on to the show. All right, welcome back to the podcast today. I got a special guest on the show. I'm excited to have Ryan England with Core Matters. Ryan is passionate about supporting growing businesses, particularly in blue collar industries, to build amazingly productive companies by hiring the right people. Growing up, he saw his own father working 12-hour shifts and weekends as an owner-operator, witnessing firsthand the struggles that these companies have in hiring quality frontline employees. I'm sure nobody listening to this show ever struggles with that. <laughs> Ryan was determined to help them find a better way. His company, Core Matters, provides coaching and training on attracting, hiring, and retaining rock star employees. Using his proven success, the CoreFit hiring system, Small and mid-sized businesses learn how to start hiring better people faster. With almost a decade in business, Ryan has helped business owners achieve their goals by hiring the right people. Ryan, welcome to the show. Excited to have you here. Oh, Brad, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, about your business and, and how that came about. How did you create yeah. a hiring training business? So I, uh, I, went to, I went to college to major in HR. I just love the people side of business. And I graduated in 2001 and I thought, you know, I'm going to take summer off. And in September of 2001, I'm going to go get a job. And then, you know, the terrorist things happen and everybody laid off and the market changed and nobody wanted to hire anybody in HR. So got into sales, did that for almost a decade in, in banking. And I, I cut my teeth in corporate and I was like, this is awful. I'm not yeah. a corporate guy. I'm not cut out for this. So I ended up starting a digital marketing agency. I wanted to work with small businesses and helping them retain customers. You know, because there's so many so much effort on the sales side of got to get a new customer, got to get a new customer. It's like, well, what about the repeat customer? And I saw an opportunity, so I took it. And I just gravitated towards the trades. Home service contractors mostly, some commercial contractors, and I was helping them generate business, helping them generate leads. And it was a couple of years into that. And I got a phone call from more than one client that said, hey, turn the leads off. I don't need them anymore. And when I dug into it, I found out it wasn't that they didn't need leads. It was they didn't have people to service the leads. And I remember one client in particular, HVAC plumbing contractor, they had four trucks empty in their lot. 
And like, if I could just put technicians in those four trucks, you could turn all the leads back on. I could take more leads. And in an act of desperation, I said, sure, I got a background in HR. I've hired people before. This is easy. And uh, sure enough, it was easy for me. Three weeks later, they call me. They say, we got four trucks filled. We got two more trucks on order. We hired six techs. I don't know how you did it, but turn the leads back on. And so I started calling my other clients and said, hey, are you struggling to get technicians? Because I, I think I might have a, a process to help you with this. And so we did that for a while. And what we realized was it was one thing to help them find the technician. It was another thing to help them hire, onboard, and retain them. And so they would come back and they're like, oh, I just lost three technicians. I need two, I need three more. And it became this vicious cycle of if we don't solve the root problem, which is making sure we're hiring the right people that fit our company culture, that fit our leadership style, that actually want to do this work and take care of our customers, they fit our culture, we're going to keep dealing with this. So I set out to, to fix the problems as they kept coming up. And a few years later, we had the CoreFit hiring system. And that's all we do now. That, that's the prime example of like seeing a, a problem in the marketplace and then providing a solution for it. If I mean, that's like the perfect textbook example of that. So what do you, what, what's, what's the number one thing that people get wrong with just hiring in general? Oh, if I had to pick one, I would say that if you don't know who it is that you want to hire, like if you haven't defined the right, the ideal employee, the right person, you're probably not going to hire them. And so it's getting really clear on who you want. Just like we do in marketing, when we're looking for customers, we have a customer avatar and we like, who's our ideal customer? Who has the budget? Who has the pain? Who, whose problem can we solve? We need to have some of those similar questions when it comes to employees. Like who's looking for another opportunity in a career? Who wants to do the work that we do? Who aligns to our values? Who is actually going to behave in a way that creates a great experience for our customers and, and gives us five-star reviews? Like who is the person that we can send out into the field to do the work that is going to generate the results that we want for our clients? We, we've talked a lot about this in my group about, you know, it's, it's no different than marketing for your customer, right? It's, yeah. You're marketing for your, for your hire. What are, what are some tips on how to develop the, 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 the hiring profile? Like, how do you even start figuring out who's the right person to hire? Well, I think step one, and this is something we guide everybody through in our program, is get really clear on who you are. Understand what behaviors are important to you. What values do you carry? What, what is the purpose? Like, why do you get out of bed to do the work that you do every morning? You know, most people, especially in the trades, will, will tell me like, oh, there's got to be an easier way. <laughs> like, I'm exhausted. I'm burned out. There's got to be an easier way. And there probably is an easier way to make money. But unless you are personally connected to why you do what you do, it's going to be really hard to find people that align to that. And then finally, figuring out where you're going. Have a plan, have a vision. You've probably heard the analogy of getting the right people on the bus. Mm -hmm. Well, the only way you're going to get people on the bus and get them to stay on the bus is if everybody knows where the bus is going <laughs> and they're all excited about where the bus is going. And that's your vision. So if you don't have a solid vision, you don't know where you're going, it's going to be really difficult for you to attract the right people. That makes so much sense. You know, you hear a lot of people will put like their, their mission statement or their vision statement and they'll like put it up on the walls and their shop and all that. And some people think that's like foo-foo stuff and like nobody cares about that. But yeah. as owners, we don't think about 
does the employee have confidence in my ability to take the business to a lo- to a place where they have a future right we don't think yeah. about it from their perspective like how important is that to really see it from their perspective especially when you've been when you haven't been an employee for 5 6 10 years and you've owned your own business like you forget what that's like yeah. how important is that you know we subscribe to this idea. You've probably heard this before. People don't leave jobs. They leave people. people. Yeah. They leave bosses and managers. And you know, the truth, the reality is, is that looking for work is very stressful. It's one of life's most stressful events. It's right up there with death of a loved one, relocation, finance problems. Like it's very stressful looking for a job. If you put yourself in the job seekers position for a second, they're quitting a job that they has created some security for their family. They're leaving that for a job that may not be secure. It may not be better. It may not last forever. It might even be worse than the job they're at. So if we don't make sure that they understand who we are as people and who they're going to be working for, because remember, they don't leave jobs, they leave people. They're looking for a better boss. They're looking for a better company culture. This is what people want out of a new job. Most entrepreneurs will tell me they want to hire someone who's already employed. They don't want the kid that's living in grandma's basement playing Xbox all day. Like that's not who they want to come work for them. Right. They want someone that's already employed. So that means that you have to be more attractive than the company they're currently working for. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make is they forget, like you said, recruiting is marketing. And if, if you take nothing else from this show, just think about this for a while. If you're not attracting good people, it's most likely because you're not attractive to good people. Yeah, I've I've done some some TikTok videos on that topic that uh, you know ruffled some feathers. <laughs> sure, sure. People don't want. We don't want to look in the mirror. We don't want to look look in the mirror and say, you know what? Maybe I ha- I have a trouble retaining employees or hiring employees because I it's actually my fault, which. It usually is our fault as the owner. And we, you know, there's levels too. When you first start your business and you're working by yourself and you hire your first employee, like you don't, you don't really know what you're doing, especially if you've never had any experience hiring people before. Like even just the interviewing process is brand new, Mm -hmm. you know, like asking what questions should you ask? How do you vet them? How do you know if the person is the right, like it's all new to you when you first start doing it. And I've, I know that I've lost some good employees because it was, I just wasn't a good leader. I just Mm. didn't know how to be a good leader to them and keep them and retain them, which is what you were talking about as part of the, you know, your process, which I think is really more valuable than the actual hiring is the is the retaining part of it. So can you speak a little bit about the retention of like, what are some things that you see contractors doing wrong in terms of retention? Yeah. Well, the first thing I just want to point out is that most people come to me thinking they have a hiring problem when they don't. They have a retention mm. problem. And if you want to do a quick te- check on that, ask your accountant how many people you had employed at the end of last year. And then ask them how many W-2s you issued. And you're often going to find that the number of W-2s you issued for last year was much higher than the people you had employed at the end of the year. I've seen some that it's five to one. Like they'll have 10 people employed at the end of the year, they'll have 50 W-2s they issued. You don't have a hiring problem. You have a retention problem. And once you've identified that the problem is retention, what we've found is you'll solve about half of your retention problems 
if you change your hiring practices and start looking for quality people that fit your company culture, that fit your team, that want to service your customers, that actually care about your product or your service, you'll actually solve about half your retention problems just by hiring better. So you mentioned the interview process. That's probably one of the parts that I geek out the most on is the interview because that's where we get to build a relationship. Think of the interview like dating. Mm -hmm. You're not going to go on a first date and ask the person to marry you, (laughs) especially if the first date's only 15 minutes long. But we'll have a 15-minute interview all day long and ask someone to come work for us. And then three weeks later, be surprised because, oh, they're not who we thought they were. How much can you really learn in 15 minutes? And so spending the time getting to know them and building a relationship during the interview will help you uncover a whole bunch of issues that you'll have later when it comes to retaining people. For sure. For sure. I can attest to this because once I I actually had to employ my wife to help me with the interviewing process, she's much smarter than me. She's a a professor at a private university. So I married up quite a bit, but I (laughs) I had her like write out some better questions, you know, like on the phone. So I have like my phone interviewing questions and I have my in-person questions. How much is, I mean, should you have a phone interview process first or should you go right to a you know, in-person interview, like you have any tips on like the best way to kind of set that up? So I'm, I'm going to give the answer that your listeners aren't going to like, which is it depends. Right now, there are more employers looking for people than there are people looking for jobs. For sure. So when you're in this period where it's definitely a job seekers market, I would say that the barriers to entry, you want to minimize as much as possible. So if you are going to phone screen someone, you're really only screening out the non-negotiables, which for some is, can they make it to an interview on time? Like if they can't show up to the interview on time, they're not going to show up to the job site on time. That's that simple. But for our process, we do think that you need to slow down the interview and spend more time getting to know the person. Now the phone screen, two, three questions, maybe the things are non-negotiable. Can you physically do the work? is one that we're off. Are you authorized to work in the United States, depending on what state you're in, right? Are you authorized to work here? And then maybe one or two questions around company culture, like like something around, you know, why do you want to work for us? And when someone says, because I need a job or because rent's due, they're not going to stick around. So those are some things that you can knock out in the screening process. But beyond that, the in-person interview should be a combination of culture fit. Do they fit your culture? And can they do the work? And can they do the work, just to be clear, does not mean can they do the work your way, because you need to train them to do that. It's can they physically do the work. We have, we have some clients that'll do mechanical aptitude assessments, which is basically, like, here's a bucket and here's water. How much, you know, which is too much water to fit in the bucket? It's just spatial reasoning and some stuff like that. Or they'll say, like, which screwdriver will actually tighten this screw? <laughs> And they've got to be able to tell that kind of stuff, which in anything is really silly, but there are people that can't pass that. So I want to get into that here in a second, but I want to tell a funny story because I long, long time ago, before I started my own business, I, I took an interview with SurfPro, which is, you know, fire restoration company. Yeah. And they had a, they have a questionnaire, like you sit down behind a computer and fill out this, you know, aptitude test of 30 questions or whatever it was. And you come into their office and do that. And there was a question on there that the wording was not correct. Like it, it just grammarly grammar grammar on it was not correct. It didn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, right? yeah. 
And I pointed it out to him after I got done. I said, hey, you know, question number 14, you might want to take a look at it. It doesn't make any sense. And he goes, wow, you're the first person that's ever said that in like five years. <laughs> and I thought, is that, does that an indicator of the company, like, or like the hiring people? And I ended up not working there, but yeah. for other reasons. But I just, you know, stuff like that kind of just, it just make that, it, it's funny to me. Like, how could not somebody not say, in the past that this question is not right. Cause it was very obvious. It wasn't yeah. like a trick question or anything. How, how well do those types of, you know, questioning and testing and all that stuff. I mean, is it, does it work? Is it, is it I'm worth a, doing? I'm a huge fan of pre-hire assessments, which is what you're talking yeah. about. A huge yeah. fan of them. However, I'm a fan of them in the sense that it aligns with the type of work the person's going to be doing. So for example, you know, we get general labor, is a big one. Like everybody wants people that'll do general labor. It's the grunt work, you know, the demo stuff, the cleanup stuff, all that. And uh, they'll give them a typing test. <laughs> and I'm just like, help me understand how your brain connected swinging a sledgehammer and digging ditches to typing. And it's not that anybody ever thought about it. It's just that that's the test they give everybody. <laughs> and they right. think about it. Same thing with the grammar. So like, I wouldn't fault a technician for not finding grammar issues. Now, if I was hiring a controller or I was hiring a copywriter or something like that, and they didn't find that stuff, that would be an issue. Another one that we see a lot of is they'll do a, an assessment around using a computer. Well, is the technician going to be using a computer? If not, then don't assess them on that. Now, is your customer service rep going to be using a computer? Then assess them on it. Right. Like it really depends. One of the easiest examples I see all the time. And, I, you know, I don't know how many, how many of your listeners are hiring customer service or, or people that are going to be on the phone a lot. But they'll they'll bring someone in for a customer service role and they'll they'll sit them across the table in the conference room and they'll have this great conversation and they'll love them. And they're like, this person's amazing. They're going to take such great care of our customers. And then a couple of weeks later, they quit or the performance wasn't there. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. They were great in person. Yeah. They spend 99% of their time talking to customers on the phone. Why are you doing an in-person interview? You need to be doing a phone interview with that person. Even if you're in different offices, like bring them to the office, meet and greet, put them in one room. You go into another room and say, call me when you're ready. Like yeah. let's assess people in a way that's consistent with the work we need them to do. Because otherwise we're going to really struggle to find the right people. This is so critical because I, you know, I know a lot of guys do this, especially in the trades, because we're not like a lot of people in the trades, very technical, like with their hands, you know, very good at that. Not so much good with the HR stuff, if you know what I mean. But mm -hmm. <laughs> I've, I, I've hired on gut feeling, right? Like yeah. I just have this gut feeling about this person and then never actually, like you're saying, test those things out. How, I guess I'm trying to word this correctly, but how how can somebody who really relies on gut feeling kind of make that transition? I mean, is it just a matter of giving them the right tools to do that? Or like, how does that, how can I even help them? Yeah, so the reality is people that use their gut to make decisions, usually that feeling comes from past experiences. So they made this decision this way 10 years ago and this was the outcome. And they just kind of learned and adapted and said, okay, my gut's pretty good because they've had lots of practice over time. 
And I think when you're making decisions off a of gut feeling, there are ways to document it. There are ways to, to systematize it. One of the things I would encourage everybody to do is stop asking questions during the interview and start developing processes during the interview. Get people to show up the way that they're going to work. So for example, you, probably, you might have some people that do this, but we see this a lot in HVAC where they'll actually have a broken down piece of equipment in the shop and they'll say, okay, for the next 30 minutes, I want you to diagnose this equipment. Tell me what's wrong with it. It's way easier to do that and find out if they actually can do the work than it is to ask them if they can do the work because people know what you want to hear. When you go with your gut, you want to make sure you're not being biased. I can't tell you how many times we've talked to entrepreneurs that hired someone because they went to the same school or they rooted for the same sports team or they went to the, lived in the same neighborhood or their kids went to karate together or whatever. Those aren't good reasons to hire people. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Yeah, I've done, I've, I've made similar hires like that. Not, not to basic stuff, but more things of like, Oh, I worked for this type of person. I did this type of work. Oh, okay. Great. I, you're hired because you had similar experiences that I did. Sure. I've, I've done like physical tests, like what you're saying, like diagnosis, but I've actually done tests like, Hey, you know, install this casing on a door or mm. wire this, you know, receptacle together or do this or put, I made a little miniature wall, like put, you know, tape at this tape tape and mud this one corner one time, yeah, you know, something that it. took 10, 15 minutes. Do you, yeah. do you recommend stuff like that for oh, yeah. labor type positions? One of the things that we recommend for uh, plumbers is, I mean, cause this is super easy to set up in a corner of an office is have them replace a toilet. Mm. Have them take yeah. off an old toilet, put a new toilet on. Yeah. It might take them 20, 30 minutes, but you don't want to sit there and watch them the whole time. You just keep checking in on them, but you want to see, can they do it? And are they going to do it in a way that's to code and is is not going to cause any issues later on? It also helps you with speed. Like, for example, window tint installed. We, we worked with one long time ago and they, they basically said, hey, if you can't tint a whole car in an hour, like I, can't, I don't need you <laughs> because I'm not going to make any money if you can't do that whole thing in an hour. So you got to be fast and meticulous. So you can have those conversations all day long, but if you if you don't get to see them in action, you're never going to know. Is there any kind of like, I don't know, legal requirements or anything? If you have someone come in and do work in your place, like, is that even an issue or did? So here's the disclaimer my attorney will tell me to give. I don't know. Check with your local state and city. However, I'm not a big fan of spec work. And, and that's where I think a lot of people get in trouble, whereas they bring someone in to do work that they don't pay them for, but then they resell that work to the customer. Like that's a problem. Oh yeah. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't even suggest doing that, but I right. mean, even just having somebody come in for an hour on a, on a you know day and do physical testing, there's nothing. I mean, you I think mean that's check okay? with your insurance company. You know, we had, I tell this story a lot. We worked with a roofer once and I'm like, you know, the scared of heights thing is driving me nuts. They all say they're not scared of heights, but the first time we put them on a two-story roof, they freak out. So I said, well, that's easy. Start having the interview on the roof. And so they did. So when they got there, they're like, oh, come on up, you know? And they're like, come on up. Like, yeah, yeah, no, we're going to do the interview on the roof. You find out real fast. They're, yeah. they're scared of heights. Now, and even like how they can climb up the ladder. Like, you know, if yeah. somebody's been up a ladder, the way they climb up it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I tell that story and every insurance agent on the planet cringes because they're like, what if they get hurt? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's my disclaimer, like check locally. But no, I don't think there's any issues. We used to have a client that would do what they called a demo day. Like they wanted to demo the employee for half a day. They'd bring them in for four that. hours. They'd I've give them that. 50 bucks and they'd say, hey, I want you to work for the next four hours for me. 
and they had they had a very strict process that they followed. Everybody went through the same process in that four hours. It was really a good way for them to tell, is this someone that's going to make it or not? Yeah, I've actually had people come to the job site and work for a half day or a full day. I mean, I would pay them usually mm-hmm. in cash, which, you know, there's some legal things. There's a whole there other issue with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throw that out the window for a second. You didn't hear me say that. But, uh, and it's probably not the best idea, but it was usually on things that like were pretty simple. And if they were to screw it up, I could come back and fix it behind them sure. type things. But I've done that a couple of times and it, it, Sure enough, you know, at at lunchtime, I'm like, hey, thanks for coming in. Here's here's your cash. Go about your way. We're not interested. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because they did a ton of money and headache later. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was I I read or I heard a podcast one time and I don't remember who the gentleman was, but he owned a heating air company down in Florida and grew it to very successful. And he was saying that he had currently like 250 techs. But he was saying it took him twenty, like twenty five hundred hires to find those two hundred and fifty techs. Yeah, is there really any way to, like, is it just a numbers game where you're going to have to go through some people in order to find the right ones, or is there some tricks or hacks to really make it more like eighty percent are going to stick? Yeah, I, I, yes, there are tricks and hacks, and no, you don't have to do that. We're working with a new client right now. They do quick oil changes. So drive your car in. Ten minutes later, your oil's changed. And you're out. And one of their, someone in another region, they hired, I think they have 180 people on staff right now. And they went through like 4,000 to get there. Wow. Like that's, it's insane. And we don't have to duplicate those numbers, but you do have to slow down the process. One of the biggest places I get pushback is people are like, I don't have time to spend an hour interviewing a 15 or $18 an hour person. Like I don't have time for that. And my Mm. question to them always is, well, do you have time to continually interview people? <laughs> like I would rather you spend an hour with one person and find out that they're good to go or not than spend 15 minutes with four people and have to do that a couple hundred times. So slowing down the process is huge. Spending more time getting to know them. Like I said, no one gets married after 15 minutes on a first date. We shouldn't be making offers either. But as far as Tricks and hacks. I, I would say one of the first thing I already said this. If you want to become, if you want good people, you got to be attractive to good people. Take a look at your brand. Take a look at, go online because that's where people are looking for jobs. They're looking online. So go online, Google your company. From an employee's perspective, what do you see? You're probably going to see Yelp that is maybe three and a half stars. And you're going to see, and if you dig into Yelp and you start seeing all these reviews like, oh, they didn't clean up the job site. Oh, they, the employee wasn't happy. They, they were yelling at me and all this stuff. And you see all these mentions of your team not being thrilled. What do you think is going through the mind of a job seeker? Well, they don't treat their people well. People aren't happy working there. Why would I want to go work for a place where the employees are so unhappy they're making customers unhappy? Or go online and find out how easy it is to find out about your company. We just talked to someone. Their Instagram account is full of pictures. And I asked them, like, are these customers? They're like, no, these are all our employees. Like, but there's nothing on here that says they're employees. Mm. Like, if you're going to brag about your employees or you're going to put testimonials up for your employees or something like that, let people know this is our team. They're having a great time. I think another thing, too, that is a big miss for most people is they don't think of their job posting as an advertisement. And, you know, that thing you post on Indeed or on your website or on Facebook, that's an ad. 
And I think it's really important that you understand that's an advertisement and you should treat it as such. You would never see a car company post an ad with or, or, or have a commercial and up pops on the screen is just a bulleted list of the maintenance schedule <laughs> and how to take care and what you have to do to own this vehicle. You would never see that. Instead, you see the top-down, attractive young couple driving down the Pacific Coast Highway, enjoying life. And that's how they sell cars. You're selling your company and you're selling that job to a prospective job seeker. Stop with the bulleted list of how much they have to lift and how, you know, how much work they have to do and how they have to bend and stoop and crawl and, and they're going to get dirty. Like, Sell the position. Sell it. And, and market it and promote it in a way that people go, I want to do that. And I want to do it for that employer. I know those aren't quick hit you know, tips and, and hacks, but I think those are two big things that they can do. Yeah, we've had lots of conversations around like the job posting itself, the ad copy, you know, that, yeah. you, that you put in there. I'm sure you would probably agree with this, but like when you're doing some type of posting, job posting, like you really need to start with why someone would want to work there, like what the benefit is for them. Like if you're, you know, look, if you're this type of person, if you enjoy these types of things, then we have an opportunity you might be interested in. Mm -hmm. But I see, (laughs) I see contractors all the time and I posted one in my group and he was in my group and he wasn't too happy about it, but he was a roofing contractor and his, his job posting was basically, and it was like a post on his personal page. It wasn't an actual, you know, paid ad, but it was like, I'm looking for roofers. Uh, you know, if you're going to complain and do this, don't even bother calling me. And, you know, if you don't have a license, if you got a felony, if you got a felon or a felony, don't even call me. And it was like all these things, like basically, if you're not the perfect person, don't even bother calling me. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not going to work very, <laughs> very good. But uh, any thoughts on like just how to structure some of that stuff? Yeah. Well, don't do that. <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> Like the last thing you want to do is make people feel alienated. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a huge fan of second chance programs. So if, if you're a felon and you've, you've done your time and you've cleaned up your act and I'm not sending you in to be alone with a homeowner, like who cares? Like if the homeowner is not there and there's a crew there and, and they've cleaned up their act, give them a second chance. Like I'm a huge fan of that stuff. Sure. The last thing I want to do is alienate people that are working to better themselves and create a better life. Beyond that, I think that the most important thing that people forget in a job ad is nobody cares about the work you're going to ask me to do. Mm. Like if I'm a roofer and I've been roofing for, and I've been doing, you know, whether it's commercial, residential, tile, shingle, whatever, if I've been doing roofing for the last couple of years, you don't need to tell me how much I need to lift. You don't need to tell me how, how I need to prep the job site. You don't need to tell me all the work that I have to do. I know what's involved. I'm not looking for a new job. I'm looking for a new boss. So tell me why you're a better boss. And that's, by insulting that's right there. a whole bunch of people is not the way to do it. I love that you said that. They're not looking for a new job. They're looking for a new boss. And I've said people leave people. Not, you know, not positions, but I never thought it in the opposite way of like, they're looking for a new boss, not a new job. That might just be the, the gold nugget of the entire show. That <laughs> you know, when we write job ads, we, most people freak out at the length of our job ads, but you got a story to tell, tell it. 
Why are you a better place to work? Why are you a better boss? Why is this a better team? How's my life going to be better? Those are the things that people want to see in a job ad. Are you a fan of, of like behind the scenes videos of your team, like posting on social media and stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, employee testimonials for starters. I, I Go interview your team that likes you and ask them why, <laughs> right? Ask them why and post it on social media. You do it with your customers all the time. Do it with your employees. And what's crazy is we, we actually have some data to show this. If you take an employee testimonial, it'll have more views than a customer testimonial will. And you will close more business because customers want to do business with companies that have happy employees. Absolutely. It'll do more for you than a customer testimonial ever will. Another thing we encourage people to do is to build a bench. Build a pipeline. You know, I don't, I don't know how many of your listeners have an email marketing list of customers, right? But they do a proposal and the customer's like, oh, it's outside of budget right now. Let me save. I'll be back in a year. Like, do they go on a list that you keep them, let them know what's going on? Why don't we do that with, it, with job seekers? Like, mm. How powerful would it be if you had a list of 100 or even 200 people that have expressed interest in working at your company? And you have a company party, Christmas party, New Year's party, birthday party, whatever. And they, they got an email and the subject was, wish you were here. And it's a picture of your team having a great time and a quick little caption of what they missed out on. And then at the bottom, the call to action is join our team. Okay, you got my wheels ticking now. So, or, well, I don't know if the wheels tick, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Depends. What? <laughs> Are you only do putting people that are like qualified but did not accept a position? Because obviously you wouldn't want to market to someone who's not qualified for any of the positions. Why not? Well, they didn't, they didn't pass the first time. Okay. Do they know people that might have passed? Is it possible? Oh, sure. Is it that's, possible that's that, that they went and got the experience and now they could pass? Sure. We, we work with a lot of companies that do apprenticeship programs. And whether they're formal or accredited or not, and they'll get, they'll get all these people applying for these entry-level apprenticeship programs because some apprenticeship programs pay really well. And they won't hire them all. And then what will happen is they'll put them on this list. And in two years, if that person really wanted to be in that industry, maybe they went and got an apprenticeship somewhere else. And now they come out a journeyman. And now you could hire them at higher wages and everything else. Like You never know what's happened between the time that they applied and you didn't hire them and now. And how often have you... And I don't know if this happens a lot with your listeners, but we see it happen a lot with our clients is they get all these applications and they never get a hold of the people. Right? They get ghosted. Yeah. They don't get them scheduled for an interview. They never get a phone call back. Why not drip on those people? It costs you nothing. Man, you got me, you got me thinking on that. I just, I just see like if the one guy that interviews and like you would never hire this person in a million years does not have the person. The list. <laughs> okay. That's you what I'm asking. with our like, customers all the time, right? Like we, well, that's true. We have customer lists and we're like, oh my gosh, I am not hiring that. Or I'm not going to work with that Karen. You're just like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. You're going to remove them from your list because you don't want it back. Gotcha. So you do the same thing here, but I would say majority of people probably never even talk to the people that should be on that list. Because they got oh, ghosted yeah. or they never scheduled the interview or anything like that. Well, I mean, I, I'm thinking of like the people that were on on paper, they you know, the application or in a resume, like they were really good, and you reach out to them and they like, oh, I just took a job somewhere else, man. Sorry, I'm starting next, you know, next week. Well, 
in two weeks, two months, you know, two years, they may be done with that job too. So that yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing we do is email marketing lists. So when someone's on your careers page, have a place to capture their email address, even if they don't apply for a job and start a careers newsletter or a jobs newsletter for your company. You're already probably doing a newsletter. So just do one that talks a little bit about what it's like to work there. You know, we've got some clients that they'll set up a six month onboarding in their email campaign. And we've got 20 or 30 different emails that'll go out and it's all automated. So when someone signs up, they learn all about your company. You do the work once it's done. And you got a whole new funnel for getting people that want to come join your team. Man, that's, that's okay. I said the other one earlier was gold. This, I replaced that one with this one, Ryan. This is the golden, the golden tip right here. No, they're all, they're all gold there. So I want to shift focus real quick. And I, cause I was looking at your website and you guys talk about doing like info, employee referral programs. Mm-hmm. So can you speak a little bit about kind of like how someone might set that up? Yeah. So there's a couple of things to go into building an employee referral program, which by the way, I'm a huge fan advocate of them. Everybody should have one. Most people will tell me I've got one, but I don't get a lot of results from it. And I want to help break that piece down. So I don't, I don't want to spend too much time how to build it and all that. A couple sure. of things to keep in mind though. It's an employee referral program, not an employee retention program. There's a distinction here because what do most companies do when it comes to rewarding someone for an employee referral? They say, well, you both got to be here in 90 days or you both got to be here in six months to get the reward. Well, so what you've done is you've basically taken the behavior that you wanted, which was the referral, and that's how you sold it. But then when it shows up, it really becomes a retention issue. And I'm sorry, but if you've got a, a tech and their job is not recruiting or retention specialist... How is it their responsibility to make sure the person that you chose to hire is still there in six months? Right. So if you're going to do an employee referral program, make sure you reward for the referral. Now, if you want to reward on top of that for retention, awesome, but reward for the referral. The other thing to keep in mind with employee referral programs is only 6% of your employees will refer for money or recognition. So this idea of paying a $250 or a $500 bounty for a referral, They don't work. That's why you never get anybody. Give them something that they really want. So I'll describe this situation for a second. Let's pretend that I work for you and and I'm overworked. I'm burning out. I'm working crazy hours because you're short-staffed. And I'm like, I want to help you hire somebody. Do you want me to pick up the phone and call my deadbeat brother who's unemployed and playing Xbox all day? Or do you want me to call my buddy Jimmy who's gainfully employed, has got some kids at home. And so there's some risk if he's unemployed. I think everybody's going to want me to call Jimmy. So I call Jimmy and I say, hey, Jimmy, it's Ryan. You know, I've got this opportunity for you. I know your wife isn't super happy with me for the last guy's trip, but (laughs) I got a great idea. Like, hear me out. Hear me out. This is an awesome idea. Can you go to your wife and tell her that you're going to quit your job because you're going to come work for me? You come work with me. And, and if you do, my boss, my boss, check this out. This is the coolest part. My boss is going to give me 250 bucks. If you can go to your wife and convince her to let you quit your job and come work for some place that you know nothing about. 
Like that's what we're asking our people to do. We don't equip them. We don't rehearse it with them. Like we would never send a salesperson out without doing role playing, getting them some training. We would never send them out into the market to go find customers without equipping them. But we take our people all the time. We give them no tools. We give them no training. We say, go find me people. And they're just like, yeah, I'm not going to take that risk. Like Jimmy may not be my friend in six months if it doesn't work out here. I'm not willing to take that risk for 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. When you put it that way, Ryan. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's what we're asking no, I mean, them that, to do. I mean, help yeah, me understand yeah. what we're not. <laughs> so, so what's the correct way to incentivize them? Well, you know, we, we, we do a lot of work in the trades. And one of the things that I will never understand is why we don't give PTO to technicians. Like, I'll never understand why we don't give them paid time off. Now, I know there's some companies that are making that shift, but for the most part, there's no paid time off unless you've been there five years or something crazy like that. So imagine the conversation with something like this and said, hey, Jimmy, you know, I know your wife's not crazy with me right now because, you know, we had that guy's weekend, but I also know that she's been on you to go visit her parents for the last year, but you just haven't been able to pull it off because you got no paid time off. And your boss isn't going to give you any paid leave. So you're going to have to sacrifice some income in order to go do this. And it's been, it's been wearing on you guys a little bit. Well, here's the deal. If you come talk to my employer about coming over here, they're actually going to give you five days paid time off after you've been here 90 days. They're going to give that to you just because you came over here as an incentive. They're also going to give me some paid time off too to help with, you know, me getting to spend more time with my family or maybe heck you and I can go to another guy's weekend. I don't know. Like, think about that for a second, giving them something that's a value to the person that you're asking to quit their job and come over here, take some of that risk away from them. Now, when Jimmy goes and tells his wife, Hey, got a crazy idea. It was Ryan's idea, but hear me out. You know, that trip you've been wanting to take. If I switch jobs, we can go take that and I get paid time off. I got to be there 90 days. That's it. What do you think? Way different conversation. And hey, if I quit my job and I risk the livelihood of our family, Ryan's going to win. Now both people are winning. And PTO is cheap. PTO is way cheaper than the signing bonuses you've been giving and the referral bonuses or heck, even worse, the thousands of dollars a month you give to Indeed because you think that's the better way to recruit. Yeah. So just for, for clarity here, are you, was that just an example of one type of yeah. incentive or is that one that you typically go to? Is like, we PTO like that time? one, especially if it's commonplace in your industry that people don't get PTO. We like that one. You know, it's funny. I had a client a while, a few years ago and family was one of their core values. And I'm like, well, help me understand this for a second. Cause not everybody likes their family. <laughs> help me understand this. Like, no, family is one of our core values. We want everybody to be able to spend time with their family and put their family first. I said, okay, I get that. So help me understand something. Do you ever have overtime? I'm like, well, yeah, we've been short-staffed for years. Everybody works overtime. Is it ever mandatory? And I'm like, oh, no, we would never make it mandatory because we want them to spend time with their family. It's important to us. And I said, okay, okay. Now, if I choose to never accept overtime because I want to spend time with my family, does that affect my career prospects? And the owner looks me square in the face and he goes, because Ryan, we want team players. I'm like, got it. So it is mandatory or I get 
passed over for a promotion. So the idea being here is if it's not normal to have paid time off or it's not normal to not work overtime or to select your own shift, I go for it. But whatever your incentive is for the referral program, make sure it aligns to who you are as an organization. Make sure it aligns to your values system. Make sure it aligns to the behaviors. Make sure it attracts the right kind of people. Because here's the truth. People that you attract with a signing bonus or more wages or more money are the same exact people that are going to leave you for a signing bonus, more wages, more money. So Mm. make sure that you're attracting the right kind of people with whatever your incentive is. Have you ever read the book, The Ideal Team Player? I have. I think that's one of the greatest books on hiring I've ever read. One one point of clarity I want to make about that, though. Hungry, humble, and smart. I see yeah. so many people. They're like, oh, we got to do hungry, humble, and smart for, for how we interview people. But one point of clarity is in that book, hungry, humble, and smart were the core values of the company. So don't think that hungry, humble, and smart is right for your organization. What's right for your organization is your core values. So sure, we all want people that are hungry, humble, and smart. But if those aren't my core values, I shouldn't be hiring based on them. I should be hiring based off the core values. And I think that's the lesson that a lot of people miss in that book. Yeah, I missed it until you just said that. And that makes perfect sense. Because I, I, I read that book and then did interview or ads on, you know, hungry, humble, and <laughs> yeah. smart. And, which it works. I did have one guy apply. He's like, I read that. But that's because those are also my core values as a person. Yeah. It just so happened to align with what the book was saying. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, we had one roofing company that like, we got six core values. I'm like, I thought you only had three. They're like, no, we added hungry, humble, and smart. <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite how it works. Yeah. But all right. So I, I wanted to ask you here, I, you guys, you have a book, right? How to hire the ones you want that you don't want to fire. Is that yeah, right? How to hire the ones you won't want to fire. It's a short book. It's about 60 pages, short read. And it's all about interviewing and particularly the interview process. How do you get people to take their mask off and stop faking it through the interview? Because everybody can fake mm. it for half an hour. They can tell you what sure. you want them to hear. How do you break that down and get through them and get them to be authentic during the interview process so you know who you're actually going to be hiring. And they can, that's a free download on your website, They can download that on my website. Absolutely. Or you can get it on Amazon if you want the print copy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's just so I had it right. It's how to hire the ones you won't want to fire. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, guys, if you, and we'll have the links to the show notes for the website and you got, like you said, you can go to Amazon and, and buy that as well. What's, what's the one question I should be asking you that I did not ask, Ryan? Yeah, I think that the the one thing that I think you should be asking is, is it really possible to hire good people right now? Mm. I think that so many people in the trades are almost numb to this problem. It's been dealing with it for so long. There's this belief that it can't be fixed. That... There's nothing I can do, that no one wants to work, that everyone's entitled, that it's only about pay. And we don't have time to get into it, but I can shatter every single one of those with not only the data, but with tons of examples of, of clients that have broken down those myths and found out that it is possible. You know, there are 150 million plus people employed in this country. And most people I talk to, they need to hire 20. <laughs> or 30 or heck even less is it possible that there are that many people out there 
that if they knew you existed and they knew what it would be like to work for you, would jump ship in a heartbeat? And the absolute answer is yes. Yeah, that, that's a great way to end the end the podcast. I, I do have one last question I'd like to ask all of the guests, and that is one book that you're currently reading or one that you would recommend. You know, I love the interview process. And if you haven't read Chris Foss's book, Never Split the Difference, yeah, amazing book on negotiating and getting people to show up authentically. But one of the books that I'm a huge fan of, it's I'm going to give two if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, we actually use a lot of principles in this book. It's called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. It's one of the few books that he's written that is not a business fable. Hmm. And uh, okay. it walks you through how to create an advantage by having a really solid, well-defined culture. Is the book kind of about like the hiring or just having a good culture in your business? It's how do you as a leadership team really... Uh, develop the process for identifying who you are, communicating it to your team, reinforcing it to your team, all of those things. It's a, it's a really good book. It is a book that I know a lot of coaches use in their business to help people get through the core values process and building culture and, and creating that intentionally. I'll definitely pick that one up. I have actually, I, I'm familiar with his other books, but I haven't seen that one for some reason. So I'll it's a, it's a list. longer, thicker, bigger book. So I know a lot of entrepreneurs are like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's a tough one. Audible all the way. Yeah. Audible. So, <laughs> but I do have another book coming out too later on this year called Hire Better People Faster. I like it. And I'll make sure to let you know when that does land. We're locking the manuscript any day now. So I'm excited, but it explains our whole process. Like we're giving away everything. This is how we do it. This is how you build it. This is how you set it up. So awesome. Well, as we end here, give us a, the elevator pitch, the 30 second elevator pitch. How do you help contractors specifically with the hiring? Like, what do you guys do if somebody's wanting to find out more information about your business? Yeah. If you want to learn more about me, you can Google Ryan England and that's E N G L I N, or you can go to corematters.com, which is our website, and learn all about us. But we work with contractors and construction companies and we help them build a process. So if you want a better process for attracting, hiring, retaining the best people, that's what we're going to help you build. And we come in, we build everything for your team, and then we teach you and your team how to use it. So unlike a traditional recruiter or staffing agency who keeps all their secrets close to the best because they want you to come back every time you need people, we actually build a, a better mousetrap for you. And, and we teach you the tools. We teach you the ins and outs. We make sure that you, ha you have all the information you need to go out there and start attracting the right people to your business. Awesome. Well, Ryan, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Lots of gold nuggets here that, that you've spit out. I'm looking at, I got a page full of notes. So I, I learned some things on this. I appreciate you being on. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. And guys, you know where to find me on talk, Instagram, Facebook, Hammer and Grind podcast. Just search for that. And we'll have the, the links in the show notes for all Ryan's information. And until next time, guys, keep in mind, remember, profit is not a dirty word. <laughs> <laughs>